Everybody, welcome back. Episode 155 of Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. We're deep into rugby championship. First round done and dusted. All Blacks and Wallabies down in Sydney. 12 all. Fantastic game. We're going to get into a bit of detail about it. And we've got a very special guest who's going to help us do it. And it's Wallabies and Brumbies legend Owen Finnegan. Owen, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, pleasure. Looking forward to uh, discussing the rugby from the weekend and the upcoming test against Auckland. Absolutely. That's great. Now, first and foremost, before we get there, Owen, I'd love to delve a little bit into your own Wallaby career, and I had a bit of a look back, and we'll call this a bit of a, a um, you know, look back at, at, at some of those great Bledisloe moments that you're involved with, because you, you obviously played the All Blacks a number of times, but you're involved in some very, I guess you'd call them iconic matches versus the All Blacks, and I know you made your Wallaby debut in that that '96 year um, and you were involved in that 43 to 6 thrashing over in Wellington which um, was a remarkable game. Can you tell us about your memories of that game? It was like tough conditions and I think we, we challenged the All Black, the, the Harker a little bit differently in that game? Yeah it was it was absolutely terrible conditions, it's been raining all weekend and it was typical windy Wellington. Um, you know it's, uh, I, was, I still laugh about it because we've uh, you know, we were against the wind in the first half, and I think it was 33 or 36 to nil at half time. So, um, to say that the All Blacks thought that we were disrespectful in the, in the fact that we didn't watch the Harker, I think it was the first time an Australian team coach at the time, Greg Smith, decided that we should go into the in goal area. So, we moved sort of 60 metres away from the Harker, and while they did the Harker, we did some uh, ball drills and skills and stuff like that, and then came back ready for the kickoff. And, um, and got smacked. I think the second half was a bit better. It was close to a six-all draw or something like that. So we came back with the win, but all the damage was done in the first half. And uh, not a memorable first game. I, I still remember it because you know, it being my first test against the All Blacks and playing people like uh, you know, um, Fitz, Sean Fitzpatrick and Olo Brown and Zinzan and Robin Brook and Michael Jones and. Walter Little and Frank Bunce, these were players that had been around for 10 years that had been watching at the All Blacks. And, and, and at that stage, they had a real awe about them. It's something, you, you know, as a player, you get more, get to play these people more often. And, and, you know, the actual appeal of that awe and how good they are, um, you know, fades away. And that's what it did with the Wallabies. You know, we got stronger and stronger as the year went on. And, you know, as the times turned, and by from 1996, we got patched and... By 1998 till 2002, you know, we sort of religiously held onto the Bledisloe. Like you said, many times winning it in the last minute or the last two minutes or the last five minutes, but always with the confidence that we had the team to win, you know, right up to the end. Yeah, it was interesting. You mentioned that, and we'll, we'll get to those ones, because the following year was almost similar. You took them on in Dunedin, and, and this time they won 36-24. But like you say, in that 96 game, it was 36-0 at half time. And I remember this game very well. You turned around and won the second half 24-0. It was another of those really odd games. Can you remember that one? 
Yeah, I do. It was one of those games of two halves too, like weather dominated, and uh, you know, quite often when you're playing New Zealand this time of the year, you know, it makes it very difficult. You know, it's much like the Wallabies encountered last weekend. It's you know either windy or wet, but same sort of thing. It was a sort of game of two halves with a bit of weather dominating field play. But uh, you know, we came back and we were right in the game, and we felt like we were right in it. I remember we got a, at one stage we got a penalty. Um, you know, sort of 40 metres out and David Knox kicked in towards the corner and the uh, touch judge ruled that it went touch and goal. You know, it was a beautiful kick. It was, you know, one of those ones that was either right on the line or, um, I don't know, I mean, David Knox lost his lost his cool there a little bit and we got ended up getting penalised back and on that spot and the penalty was reversed and then they were down back down our half and took the pressure off it. So before then we were really, you know, had them under the pump and, you know, and winning up to that, we'd scored a couple of good tries and we were sort of on the comeback trail. But quite often that's what you need. You need, you know, you, we got belted the year before, we got a little bit closer, you know, in 97, then by 98 you were winning it. And that's what you need now. That's all be, what the Wallabies would have got from the weekend, having a 12-all draw and knowing that they're close close to beating them. And when you get that sort of feeling, that's when a bit of their, you know, the aura of the team sort of fades a little bit and... You, know, you feel a bit more com- comfortable in what you're doing as a team and as a squad, and you know that's what was happening for us in 1997. You know, we were starting to to build, uh, you know, and then it was after that stage. I think that Rod McQueen came in. I think that was still with Greg Smith, and when on the UK, you know, the the end of the Tri Nations, then Rod Rod McQueen took over at the end of '97 in the UK tour, and then by '98, you know, we were winning the Bloodsport. Yeah, and that 98, you, you, you won 3-0, so it was quite a remarkable turnaround. So is that a combination? You, you talk about you getting that confidence. I guess McQueen coming in, he was a different style of coach. Um, there's a bit more solidarity in the team. There's um, obviously key positional changes. Larkin moved to 10 um, and whatnot. You're getting a bit of stability there yeah. around the team. Yeah, definitely a little bit more oh, well, continuity and selections and you know the, the squad became... And more consistent, um, you know, and, and that year in particular, I think it was a, a massive feat because we we beat them in, uh, I think it was Christchurch and in uh, maybe Dunedin in 1998. I'm not sure, but we won we won two games away from home, I think, in 98. So it was, you know, it was a good effort to you know to win win the Bloodside two nil, like one at home and one away, but to win the third one away too gave us. The team are, you know, a whole heap of confidence. I think, you know, one of them was on the back of a John Eels penalty goal. I think that might have been the one in Christchurch, and it was, you know, it was a, a real sort of confidence boost. So, you know, every game you play against New Zealand, it's, you know, if the Wallabies are winning, it's fairly close. You've had a couple of cases of the, the All Blacks blowing the, the Wallabies away. You don't too often see the, you know, the Wallabies blowing the All Blacks away. They get, you know, they stay fairly consistent, stay in the game, and, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the confidence, you know, they gained on that, you know, massive history and you know, and you look at the current All Blacks and, you know, they've they've lost one one game well they haven't lost, they had a draw to break their, their record, but you know, they were gonna put the same record, you know, almost a year and a half ago. So if you look since the two thousand and eleven Rugby World Cup when that started in that year, you know, I think the All Blacks have lost one game in thirty six. So it's a pretty uh, phenomenal record and it's a, a you know, a core group of blokes that stay around and, you know, others come in and out, but they've got them players. And I think, you know, Australia is starting to get a bit of the, not not them sort of numbers, but having, you know, won seven for the first time since 2008 or nine in a row. 
you, know, you start to get a bit more confident in that. And they had a good European tour, and you know, so they, it's important that they keep that momentum on, you know, looking long term as well. But uh, you know, that ability to you know, play and be competitive against South Africa, Argentina, and New Zealand throughout this championship, and and then go over and prove it in the UK. It's something that All Blacks do all the time, which you know makes them a great team because they're just consistent and. You know, they don't have that off game and, you know, they're extremely passionate about the sport. It's the, you know, the one thing about Australian sport is, you know, we've got so many different options where in New Zealand and South Africa, it's, you know, you play one, it's rugby and that's it. Yeah, exactly right. Is it, you talk about I mean, that standard New Zealand set and as you guys did in 98 when you beat them and you won the World Cup, obviously, so significantly in in the next year and backed it up a couple of years later with that Lions series, all of which you played a key part of it. But to build that confidence to win the World Cup, as we have, we'll need to do for next year, it is really critical to be able to match it with the best and match it with the All Blacks, right? We we really need to prove ourselves against them this year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, oh, definitely. For me, it was disappointing uh, in, a, in a way on the wall of the end of season tour last year that they played England first. They really didn't have a, a good lead-up game. If you know they played two or three of the games first and built into a final against England, because their game only got better the longer they were around. Now, you and Mackenzie's now been with that, that squad a long time. Like you know, I was looking for results in the first twelve to eighteen months, but now he's you know that's that this is his group now. He's been able to mould them and you know, uh, build the culture the way he wants to build it and you know, there's more and more of the stamp of you and Mackenzie coming out and then the squad, and that's just got to continue growing and, and getting better with you know with the team and throughout the team and how they engage with each other and how much you know they're willing to, to do the hard work for each other, which on the weekend they were in the rain, it was a bit of a battle, the tight five stuck at it, you know, they, they were were never really in front. You know, they were always chasing the game and they all you know, they got to twelve all and towards the end of the game there was opportunities for them to win it. So that'll give them a real belief and the worst thing they can go now and you know the things that worry me is the consistency of Australian teams. Even when I was playing, we were the same. We could be brilliant one one week or two weeks, and then you'd you'd have a bad game. Where New Zealand is always consistent. I saw an England team, and when Australia was playing France early in the in the year, I saw an English team that was very competitive with New Zealand in the first test, and then the second test, New Zealand came out and blew them away. And it's actually the best forty minutes of football I've seen in any international team play in the last four or five years. They were absolutely brilliant. They were ruthless at the breakdown. They were physical. They were aggressive and you know and they you know they just dominated the opposition. And England aren't really a you know a team or a forward pack that you you dominate but New Zealand just did and they've you know they've got that in them. So you know I think in a way them losing that world record and you know we've raised the sleeping lion. So that's what there's definitely, you know, you're confident as Australian, but you definitely know that the Australians can't play just like they played last week. They've got to have a whole stack of um, stack of improvement too. The thing is, you, know, you can't afford to, um, and especially over there, let them get the start in the game. So it's important that Australia start well, and you know, so then they've got a bit of confidence. That, you know, keeps the crowd a bit quiet, and um, you know, and, it, and it gives them that confidence they need on going. But yeah, they but. They have to keep going and they have to, you know, throughout this championship, try and get as consistent as possible as they can. You know, it's good this week they're, they're playing and they haven't had any changes. You know, it looks like 
possibly in the All Blacks, Manu and Kana were both injured. So even if they play, they're not really training all week. And you know, the, the um, and both teams, you know, it's not as if New Zealand's had a two-week bye now and they're playing Australia like sometimes happens. They've played each other. They both have to travel over to New Zealand, so they've both got the same travel arrangements. You know, the New Zealand team come from you know, all over New Zealand, so they're staying in a hotel in Auckland, just like their Wallabies are. And, you know, the thing is, they're away from home, so if you get the opportunity to put them under pressure early in the game, you know, it just builds all that, you know, all the momentum that the Wallabies have got. Yeah, okay. Well, let's look back at the weekend's game. Were you there, Owen? Did you get to the game? Were you watching it on TV? Or? Yeah, no, no. I went, I went there. I saw it live. Yeah, well, tell us was, first, um, what was the atmosphere like? The, the Gold Brigade was this big, um, I guess, phenomenon. They tried to push with getting people a lot more vocal, a lot more yellow and so on. Did you get to experience yeah. it long during the game? How was it? Yeah, like there was a bit of a wallaby chant going around. and um, <laughs> like a joy, I even joined in a couple of times <laughs> where I was seeing the crowd were getting in it, into it and now, some I haven't really, you know, historically been much of a chanter or a go the wallaby sort of blokes or yelling out, but it was good. You now across the board, and that you now it's sort of, you know, the the fox, the promotion they've been doing through that with ARU and Fox has been really good in you know in boosting you know the numbers and people wearing gold and you know, since that 2001 Lions series where you know we went to the first game in Brisbane and there was you know it looks like you were in a sea of red. There's always been that, you know, scarves and uh, more of that gold coming out. And, um, you know, and the atmosphere at the game was good. It was, you know, the, the thing was it was always tight. It was probably not the spectacle you'd want. Like, you know, if you look at the, the Super Rugby final with 60-odd thousand and a game of rugby that was played and the, the quality of the football and the contest at the breakdown, and it was just really, you know, good physical, aggressive rugby. I think the weather, you know, Took a bit of the, you know, the, the great parts of the game. Now it was, you know, became more of a field position, more of what you'd expect from a, you know, England Australia or England New Zealand game over in the UK when it's raining. More of a, you know, trench warfare. See how far you can get. Like big tackles were were jolting out the ball, and you know, just when you thought your team was going to get into some action, or the All Blacks were getting into action, you know, someone would make a good tackle and jolt the ball out. So it never really got going. I thought, uh, you know, Yako Piper didn't let it get going in the first half. There was not much advantage played and there was all penalties and you know, yellow cards. But that's the sort of thing you've got to take advantage of when you're playing the All Blacks and they've got 14 men for 60 of the minutes and you've got to be able to you know, sneak a winner. It's unfortunate for the Wallabies. They couldn't, you know, and the, they did. They had all, like you never thought the All Blacks were going to win in the last five minutes. The Wallabies had all the field position and all the pressure. But just couldn't get there, and that's you know that's what happens when you play a quality team. Yeah. So what's your read on that, Owen? I mean, should we be happy with the draw that we you know broke this uh, I guess winning streak of the All Blacks that we had a match with the best team in the world? Should we have won that game, considering they were down to fourteen men for all but twenty minutes of the game? What's what should be our take from that game? Do you think? Hey, well, straight, straight after the game, someone said to me, "Are you disappointed with that?" And I said, "No. Well, you know what? Not actually." Having a draw against a team of that quality is not a bad bad result. And when you think, when was the last time we actually won against them? That's why, you know, for me, the importance is like this weekend. Even if they don't win, or they, you know, or they do manage to win, or you know, they just need to be really competitive, and it needs to be like it was in the weekend, come down to the last minute and kick a field goal or score a try, or one of the two teams to do that to score. 
Because even if they don't win, then that'll give the Aussies confidence. You know, we were right in that game, boys. And uh, I know that, you know, if they lose, that then puts the Bledisloe away and puts it to sleep for another year, which, you know, makes it, makes it competitive. It makes it easier to, to um, you know, compete for. But, you know, the, I, I was really happy with the result. I was happy that they stuck in the game, that they fought it out. You know, but they were, like I said earlier, they were always behind. They had to... You know, that just grind the win out, and you know, and they did, and they they looked like winning at different stages, and there was a couple of blokes got, you know, there was some great scrambling defence from the All Blacks to, you know, stop the Australians from scoring a couple of tries in the last five minutes, and you know, Pat McKay got bundled in the touch two metres from the sideline, and you just want to, you know, you just you, and they were working hard for each other, and you know, some of the, you know, the the, the performances of the Brumbies this this year and the Waratahs and the Super Rugby and, and the Western Force to a degree has given you know, all them teams, all the Wallabies, some real confidence and you know, a lot of players that are in form and playing well. You know, having the Force just missing out you know, because the Brumbies beat them in the last round, the Brumbies in the final, the, the Waratahs winning the final, they're all, that's a whole bunch of footballers that are in good shape and going into Wallaby, going into Wallaby camp in good shape and in good form and you know, it's, it might have been a, you know, a couple of years where that hasn't been happening. So I think you know, Stephen Lark and Michael Check and Michael Foley have all done a great job as far as you know putting them in a good platform and putting, sending them all into, you know, into camp in shape and in good form and playing good footy. So you know, that's, that's where all that confidence comes from. As a Queenslander, it pains me to say I, I can only agree with you. I can't add anything to to that from a from a Reds perspective, but um, I agree with you. Yeah, well, like if you if, if you said as a yeah you know, if you said as a Red supporter or even a Wallaby supporter, you know, a year or two ago that you know two years that Will Jenny won't be playing and yes. you know, Hall Hall won't be on the you know won't be playing or won't be on the bench and. You thought that all these young blokes, but that's what, you know, that's, that's good. Blokes know that they're now getting picked on form, and you know, they're two blokes as a Queensland supporter, and as Queensland supporters, you know, you'd think they'd be first selected in mm. you know, a team this time two years ago, and you know, they were on the back of winning a, a Super Rugby thing. The last time that the, the Wallabies went well, you know, the Reds were going well. Yeah. They won the Tri-Nations a year in 2011, I yeah. think it was, when... When the Reds won the premiership, and you know, so the good form of Super Rugby was translated into a good international season you know, points, uh, last year. Yeah, your points well made. I mean, particularly about the force. And you talked a guy like Nathan Charles, who no one would have tipped as a, I guess, a starting Test hooker at the start of the year, but he made his debut, run on debut on Saturday night, and I thought he was one of our best. He was a, had a fantastic first Test. Yeah, he did, and uh, like, and that's yeah, you know, on top of. Uh, you know all the challenges that he he medical medically, but like, that's a fantastic story and a, a fantastic effort. I had a, a fair bit to do with Nathan Charles when he was down here in the Brumbies, and he was you know I know what he goes through every every day as far as you know the illness and and getting treatment to make sure he's right, and you know the challenges it is for his body and the life expectancy of like a kid like that. So it's made it's not only well, I just, it was a great story before he even played a game of footy. But, he went out there and people were, you know, worried. That was one of the things before the game. You know, even on the Friday before the game, I had a bit of a chat to Andrew Blades and I said, mate, how's it going to go? Like, you know, you've got number three. So, you know, a lot of people will think, no, Stephen Moore, no, Zatafu. And that's probably where, you know, his performance, you know, comes into, 
comes into picture because you know the Wallabies are missing their two you know, mainstay hookers and blokes that have been there for a long time. And you know Nathan came in and our you know I do think our scrum was under a little bit of pressure and um, the All Blacks dominated a little bit and probably didn't get the get the you know, rubber the green off the referee. But you know the line out was strong and you know and it was you know, for a lot of the time you know, it was balanced and we won our ball. You know, I might not have been absolutely dominant, but you know once once again whenever I played in the Australian team, we never dominated forward packs. You know, you just want consistency, and and you know, and the rest of the game manages itself with some good consistency and you know, an aggressive nature. What about your reading of uh, one guy's? Uh, I guess some people have called into question his, his selection uh, pre-test and, and definitely post-test was Kurtley at ten. Um, what did you think of his selection initially, and, and what's your read on his game? Um, mate, well, I thought he was pretty good. I initially thought that it wasn't the right call, having you know someone like um, uh, Bernard Foley, who'd played so consistently for the Waratahs, control the game well, good kicker of the ball, strong defender, uh, manages the game very well, and you know, and then you know, he did really well for the the Wallabies when they played in the French Test. So I mean, if you were going to play. Curtly in the All Blacks thing, I, I imagine if you if that was your picture down the track, you would have liked him to maybe play the third test at at five eight. The first couple of lineouts of the Wallabies attacked from um, Matt Tanua standing at five eight and Curtly Beal was in inside centre. You know, the defensive lineouts that I saw them defend against and and even some of the scrum plays, you know, you ended up with Curtly on the uh, on the blindside wing, so he was playing blindside wing. You had Matt Tumour defending at 10, Rob Horn at 12, Adam Ashley Cooper at 13, you know, and then on the, you know, your open winger, Pat McCabe, and then, you know, Israel Folau. So, you know, Curtly Beal was more of his sweeper, and it's a little bit what Ewan did with Quade Cooper. And not that Curtly's a poor defender, but he also took him out of the action. So, although he was playing 10, he was playing a lot of his natural game. and uh, him and Matt Tamua shared then play, that playwright make a role. So there was a lot more made of it. And, um, you know, it's probably more when you get into that traditional plays and you're looking for you know, field position kicking and stuff like that, where traditionally someone like Bernard Foley would be doing it. But, you know, with Nick White and the team, he, he did a lot of that kicking from the base. And, um, you know, so it was more, it was just more Curtly's natural game and, you know, at different, different times during the game, I saw Matt Tamua. And I actually thought before the game that maybe it was a ploy of Ewan's to just announce, um, Curtly there. And I actually mentioned, uh, I did a, a pre-match speech and I said I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if they share the roles between Matt Tamua and himself, depending on what play they've got and what they're wanting to do. and you know, we've seen that before. The, the Brumbies do it similarly with you know, Matt Tamu and Christian Leofana different, at different times. They're standing at different positions depending on who's stronger at throwing balls or passes or playmaking. So you know, they've got the best of both worlds with them. But you know, Matty Tamu definitely gives them a bit more staunch in that uh, in the defensive line and you know, good, solid ball carrying. He takes on the line as well a couple of times. You know, currently... I think got penalised a couple of times for not releasing. He probably just doesn't have the, you know, he's more of a an elusive sort of play. He doesn't have that sort of, you know, strong ball carrying Nathan Gray sort of quality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the other play or I guess talking point post game was that decision of Michael Hooper's to take the scrum um, on the yellow card uh, late in that first half. 
what was your thoughts on that? Did you agree or would you have taken the points? Uh, I guess it's always a no, bit more difficult. I to totally agree with him. Yeah, in the hindsight, you can be a genius, yeah. but they they had him down. There was a man down. They had a score a try there. You, you good. You got some good momentum. Straight away, you make that decision. Have a scrum. You take one of the you take one of the back rowers, Jeremy Kino, off the field, and you replace him with with uh, Owen Franks. And yeah, you know, so they're losing a better player in general play as well. And the thing was that the Wallabies then stayed there for multiple phases and then had a shot at goal and currently missed it. So you know, it wasn't that the next shot at goal they had was any bit harder. And, you know, and they had a, they had a couple of cracks at it. Well, you know, it would have been a in hindsight, it would have been a bad decision if you know, the All Blacks kicked down the other end and we didn't get any points out of it. Well, we didn't get any points out of it in the end, but it was a bit due to a, a missed kick more than than him. And, that, and that's the stuff you want your captain to do. You want him to get a feel of the game and you know and 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 know what's happening. And yeah, you know, that that could have been a. It's one of those things. Even as a commentator at the time, you go, no, no, I'll, I'll, I would have taken the points, but then they score a try and you feel like an idiot. So. Yeah, but uh, mate, I was more than happy with him doing that. And then and the next time, I think they got a penalty, and Nick White took a quick tap as suit. So it just gave the, you know, it, it gives you the whole team a mindset that we're going at these blokes, and you know, we, we want to put the foot in the throat, and you know, let's take our opportunities now and they're a man down, and let's not just be conservative and kick three points and go back and try and get out of field position. Like that. They stayed there. They stayed there until they, or well, you. Till they almost scored points, but he missed a goal. So it would have been, a, you know, I probably thought it was a bad idea if they stayed there, you know, turned the ball over and it got booted down the other end. But they just had, you know, lots, of, the All Blacks had to make a lot, a lot of tackles in that play. And, you know, they, it takes it out of them physically and mentally that, you know, these blokes are coming at us and they keep coming. And you know, so we've got to, you know, keep at the job. So man, I was more than happy with his decision. and. And the, the thing is, you know, he back, Michael Hooper backs it up with performances. Uh, I'm, I'm sure none of the Wallabies would say to him, mate, what, what, what were you thinking? Like, the thing is, right, yeah, Hoops has decided we're doing, let's go at it. Yeah. Or if you had a, you know, if you picked a scrum and we got pushed off it or something like that, then it would be like, oh, what did he do that for? But, you know, I was really happy with the, the mindset of the team and the fact that they were going at them, and I, I, I think it was a great idea. Yeah, great, great call. I agree. What about the call by some parties, more media, it's probably more just to get the, the, the clickbait happening, golden point for these types of games, Bledisloe Cup games, champ, rugby championship. Do you agree with that, no, or you, you're a purist, keep it as it is? You don't, mate. A lot of people said to me, actually, a lot of the sort of non-rugby people have said to me, oh, how can you play that like a game that ports and not get a result, like 12 or one, and they got a golden point and thing but like in the big picture of it that's that's a game for the Tri-Nation Championship mm. so you get a draw you get two points each if you get a you know, if you keep playing you know for another then someone's going to get four points and someone's going to get one so it changes the, the dynamic of what was an even contested game you know it gives a chance for someone to win the Tri-Nation because they got a you know a field goal and, and that, I mean that's the stuff uh, I don't know but what some of the stuff in the NRC that they're doing is really good because it's like uh, encouraging teams to score tries. And so if they had a golden point where you, you know, every two minutes you lose a player and it's first to score a try, not first to kick a field goal, you know, then that, that makes it a spe- the game a spectacle and you, know, you see some, some teams trying to win rather than, you know, or trying to win by scoring a try rather than 
a kicker for field goals or playing for penalties or scrummaging for penalties or yeah. no, no, I was happy with the draw nice. and uh how maybe we'll next week we'll be celebrating a win. Well let's look at that. What do we have to do next week? It's a, we're off to Eden Park where we haven't won since eighty six, so it's a it's a massive hoodoo. You're involved involved in one of those hoodoo breaking teams, like you said, when you won in Dunedin after a long uh, period without loss. Do we take it as another game? What, what do we have to do this weekend to get up against the Blacks? Yeah, I mentioned it before. You just take it as another game. We're actually, both teams have got the same preparation. Ours is probably better, if anything, like I mentioned, without having any injuries. Uh, all Blacks are looking like missing Nonu and Kano. So there's two blokes from their, their 23 that are gone, possibly, from their starting team. Now, so you've got that consistency with the, with the Wallabies, you know, it's sometimes in this Tri Nations Championship, like you know, we might have played New Zealand and then got over to South Africa and then played Argentina. And New Zealand's had a two week break, or you know, so you've got different phases that you're in in the competition. But this is first up, you go over to Auckland, you've got the same preparation that they've got. They've flown from Sydney to Auckland, they're in hotels all week, you're in hotels all week, you know, you're in camp, you're, you know, they've got that bit of confidence, and you know, it's, it's all about you know, the first 20 minutes. You know, trying to stay in the game and not letting the All Blacks, you know, get the crowd into the game and, and you know, and putting the pressure on them. I think, you know, the, the pressure's on the All Blacks to, you know, after having a draw to, to get a win and, you know, and in your home country and, you know, if you can start making it, you know, when we were playing, when you, you won a couple of games against them, you know, they were, not that the next game was any easier, but there was always that more pressure on the back of them to... to uh, to win, and you now it's a it's a hard place to go. New Zealand general is just a hard place to go. It's got nothing to do with Auckland or Eden Park being any more difficult, or the, you know, the weather or the conditions. It's because you go to New Zealand, they've got a bloody great team. Yeah. that's the challenge. So and, they do have a great team. Do we have? Is there any area that we have over them? Where, where's the opportunity to beat them? Was it just a matter of right things got to go right on the day type of thing? Well, I think, you know, our line-out with um, you know, one of the things, you know, I know Will Skilton makes a really good impact when he comes on, but, you know, when you take a Scott Fardy off for a Will Skilton, you lose a bit of your line-out dynamicism and, you, you know, you go from, you know, especially with Wycliffe Parlow in the team, like last year, you know, you look over the last couple of years, you've had uh, Kevy Hall and, and Ben Mullen calling the line-out, so now you've got... Uh, Rob Simmons doing it for that first time at the international level, and you know, so then you really, have, you know, Whitecliff's an option, but not really. Michael Hooper is, but not really a specialist line-out personnel. So then you're looking at you know, himself and Carter and and um, and Scott Fardy. So I mean, then when you bring Will Skelton on, it diminishes that as well. So I mean, the challenge is always with the All Blacks to get your set piece right, and you know, you, it's rugby's Every game's a game of momentum. You you just you know you got to take your opportunities when they're given to you. And I think you know, both sides at different times. And I think All Blacks missed some shots at goal and some opportunities to score. I know one time there was um, you know they made a little bit of a break down the uh, the sideline with their with Aaron the the halfback and yeah, Aaron Smith and you know he had a three on one. Adam Ashley Cooper. Defended it really well, but you know that's that's an opportunity where at that level you got to take it. Like you know, you got to run a different line and make Adam actually make a decision. And 
you know, so they, they you know, and they had a couple of point scoring opportunities. I missed a shot at goal and you know, changed the twelve all to a you know a nineteen twelve or a fifteen twelve, and that's enough. You know, the Wallabies too had a you know, shot to goal and the one before half time and that they missed and you know, some reasonable try scoring opportunities that were defended really well. But you know, you take one or two of them and you've got the momentum, and that's what you need to do. And nine times out of ten, when the momentum's with you and getting that twenty two, you score some points, you leave, you go back and try and reinforce that. That that's uh, you know, I think it's going to be a very close game, but I do think the the Wallabies can win it. But you know, the the challenge isn't about Auckland or Eden Park; it's about you know, the best team in the world at the moment, and and the fact that they've lost one game in thirty six, and now they've had a draw on one. So yeah, so they've. It's, it's it's difficult to win over there because yeah. they're such a quality team. That's how um, it is. It's the team themselves. Well, that's that's brilliant. And look, yeah. it's it's um we live in hope as Wallaby fans, and hope we see it again. Look, it's a massive week for Australian rugby. Obviously, in the midst of the Bledisloe series, I, I want to touch on another point before we end up. Owen is it's also the the launch or the 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 first round of the NRC starts um, yeah. on Thursday yeah. night yeah. in Brisbane, and, and then obviously games over the weekends. You're a fan of the NRC concept. What do you what do you think of the whole whole uh, structure? I guess. Yeah, well, I think it's it's you know the ARU have done really well getting Fox involved in it and getting them to sponsor it in the games and and putting the expression of interest out and just saying because well, I think last time it was just you know it was run and the costs were ARU costs so everything was and now the you know, I know here in Canberra they've they've gone out and they've had to get you know, third party sponsorship and stuff for the team and. You know, the, the Viking drug beer involved and you know, the University of Canberra and then three or four or five different sponsors just to cover the costs of running a team. So the long-term survival of a competition like that, like you would have hated to see it run again and just have another you know, four or five million dollar loss and thrown in the back burner for another five or six years. So I think it's exciting, the prospect of, of, you know, of the way it's been done, more probably sustainable manner. And you now, and the possibility it'll go on further it gives us you know that next pool of players a massive, massive uh, you know, opportunity to play at you know that in between club and Super Rugby level, and those players that normally you know would play Super Rugby and go back to club footy have got a you know a harder brand of rugby union that uh, will be good for. It'll be good. It'll be. Uh, it'll make Australian rugby stronger, and you know, it'll give a lot of those you know, young kids an opportunity to impress. You know, all the Super Rugby coaches will be watching them games week in, week out. So, uh, majority of you know, for rugby fans, you've got another another outlet of watching some of some of this rugby, and I think some of the laws that they've brought in to to make it more you know, uh, of an attacking sort of game. You know? Score a try and kick a goal, and you've got eight points, and the team's got to kick four penalty goals to match it. So, you know, and, uh, you, know you get bonus points if you keep so far ahead rather than you know, letting score four tries and then winding the clock down. It's about keeping the, the foot in the throat and uh, trying to make positive rugby. So, we'll see which one of them laws work, and it's always good and exciting. You know, not, they haven't tinkered with the actual game too much and the breakdown and all the the stuff that can get so technical, it's been more scoring and encouraging teams to continue to play once they've scored four tries and stuff like that, that uh, they're really positive. Excellent. And, and just give us a bit of an insight. You're coaching down there in Canberra at the moment as well as, uh, I know you're CEO of the Hydro South uh, Care Rescue Helicopter Service, is that correct? 
Yeah, I am. I've been down here for the last three years working as the uh, CEO for the Snow Hydro Southgear, so it's a rescue helicopter for ACT in southern New South Wales. So that's why I'm saying it's so exciting. Uh, we ended up as, as one of the community partners of the NRC team along with Lifeline Canberra down here. So we'll be on the, the front and the back of the, the UC Brumbies uh, Vikings jersey. So... Um, yeah, so it's ended up really good. It'll be exciting because they're trying to make it, you know, a community orientated team, and you know they they've got a mixture of all the club footballers. So I coach a club team down here, Gungahlin. So there's seven club teams in the the comp down here, and it gives a lot of them players an opportunity to you know impress at that level. And how it's like you know, having come from Alec in in Coogee, a lot of the you know a lot of them young players that haven't quite made super rugby and you now they're making Australian twenties or they're you now in the Australian Sevens program it gives them an opportunity to uh you know, to get stuck in and you know hopefully out of it, you know, four or five young blokes will be you know, from will be looking at super rugby contracts next year or, you know, even the the extended player squads they've got, the professional playing squads that get added onto the teams on the end and so it gives them just exposure to a greater number of players and you know, especially down here in Canberra it'll strengthen up that and um yeah, you so I think there's about fourteen or fifteen of the the uh, contracted players is the maximum that any squad can have and then you know, so you're looking at the other fifteen or twenty coming from club footballers uh, you know, in and around. Yeah. Gives it another opportunity for, you know, New South Wales country and Queensland country to have a team and get some exposure. So like it is truly a national competition. It's been well thought out and you know, it hasn't been a you know, just thrown together and yeah, there there will be a lot of a lot of logistics around it and you know, having had it done it before and knowing where they lost their money, they've obviously set it up this way, which is a bit better, which I think is exciting for Australian rugby. Can you can you give us for the non-Canberra uh, supporters out there? Can you give us a name of one or two players we should keep an eye out in the Viking squad, whether they're from your club or, or, or elsewhere that uh, we may not know about? Um, yeah, well, uh, there there is a, a fair few that are from Tuggeranong. Uh, you know, the two that have played club football for our team this year is uh, Matt Hawke in Inside Centre, and the other one would be uh, everyone would already know this one, but Henry Spate. So he was. One of the great things about you know the club footy in Canberra now having seven teams and 35 contracted players at each of the club, uh, seven teams get five players to. You know, so every one of the five players for our club played at some stage this this year, and some of them, you know, the ones that are outside the 22 play a majority of the season. So it's great to be able to strengthen the club footy team. But uh, you know, there's uh, probably another young fellow, Rodney Iona, that. Um, but had a, a good run, and yeah, so him and Matt Hawke have been you know, in the you know Brumbies trials and you know, played in Super Rugby trials over and against the Highlanders earlier in the year, and played in the Brumbies Sevens tournament, World Sevens tournament they went to, and you know the Tens tournament they went to in Singapore this year. So the been in that extended players squad. I mean, that's that's the best thing about it. These blokes have you know, had sort of five and six week stints when the you know, in October and up October up into Christmas when a lot of the wallabies away, so to sort of fill them squads a bit and you know, when you do two or three years of that you keep going back to club football, it gets a bit frustrating but now it gives them a you know, that whole whole group of players a bit of exposure and a bit of time to um you know, a bit of bit of a time to shine. You know, able to be seen on you know, national television and have a run around and you know, play other other blokes that are 
playing Super Rugby and, yeah, that's where you'll see a few stars born, which is good. It's exciting across the board. So. That's great. And the, other, the, other, yep. the other player we had playing for us at Gungahlin this year is exciting. Won't be playing for UC, but he'll be playing for the New South Wales uh, Country Eagles is Ida Vea. Oh, yes. Uh, he so, to, is, is he back and fit and healthy? Um, I wouldn't call him fit yet. <laughs> He'd know that as well. He was uh, obviously, you know, he, he's had a well documented, um, you know, he had blood clots in his heart and, you know, close to dying and stuff like that. So he hasn't, you know, it was, it's 18 months plus since he played a game. He started training with us, you know, uh, six to eight weeks ago and played, you know, a bit of, uh, second grade and first grade in the finals that we were playing in and and then he's dropped sort of, you know, I think he put on almost 30 kilos but he's dropped sort of 20 out of that so he's probably five or six kilos still to go but, um, you know, to get back to the fighting weight he was and but he's a real handful, mate. He's been playing some, some good football so it's exciting, you know, even a boat like that that's had experience at that level and and had it had something like that happen it's, you know, it's exciting to see him get an opportunity so... Oh, that's great to hear. We look forward and, to that. Kicks off Thursday. Yeah, another one to keep an eye for. Excellent. That's great. Look, I appreciate your time. One more thing I know you're very involved in is this. you're an ambassador for HSBC. Can you talk to us a bit about that and what your role is there? Yeah, no, it's a, well, one of the things is when I started with the Waratahs, HSBC were involved. So, And through the Rugby Union Players Association, you know, I got my first loan when I was, 22 or 23 with HSBC and then, you know, I've been banking with them for the last sort of 20 plus years. So it's, it's, uh, you know, as part of that role is, uh, going to, you know, they run clinics and camps across Australia and also, you know, um, have, you know, they're, they're involved with Australian rugby union leveraging the game and promoting it, you know, within the, within the community, within the corporate community and, uh, you know, and supporting events. Uh, you know, one of the, Good thing is, is going to games. They were highly involved in all the, the Lions series, sponsoring the Lions last year. You know, they have sponsored the Waratahs and now sponsoring the Wallabies. So they're, you know, one of those, uh, corporate, corporate banks that have got, uh, sport and rugby in particular ingrained in their, their culture. So it's a great organization to work with and help, you know, promote what they're doing and, you know, also promote the sport. So it's, uh, you know, as, a, as an ambassador of that, it's, it's one of the good things. You get to go and watch the footy with them occasionally. And, um, yeah, so I'll be off to New Zealand this week. I'm going on um, Thursday to, to speak at one of the local rugby clubs in Auckland for lunch. So a mate of mine, Peter Alatini, he works there at the moment. So he's an ex-centre for the All Blacks. And he, uh, he's got me to go and speak over at his club. And then I'm doing some stuff with HSBC at the game. And, um, yeah, so it'll be... A good trip, mate. I'm looking forward to it. I'm confident that the Wallabies will will get the result. Well, let's hope they do. And look, uh, thanks to HSBC, they've helped us out with a few uh, guests uh, of late who have been fantastic. Yourself and Rafi and Bernie Larkham, and we really thank you for your time. Owen. I know I've got a bit longer than I, what I said I would, but uh, I, I loved having the chat to you. And um, best luck to the Wallabies this week, Owen, and, and to you and for all your endeavours in rugby, um, both club and and, and further. Um, and uh, let's go Wallabies, hey? Yeah, exactly. It's one of the things that time doesn't matter when you're talking about rugby. You can go forever. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Owen, thanks a lot, mate, and we'll speak to you again right. another time. Cheers.
Thanks to Owen Finnegan there. What a great guest. We went on for ooh, 40, 45 minutes there, which was probably about 20, 25 minutes longer than I, what I promised him. But uh, he, he's great to listen to. He had some great insight on the Wallabies and indeed the NRC and, and some of the people to watch out with from there. So, look, we're not going to go into too much detail. Uh, I'm not going to bother bringing on any of my other green gold rugby guests because they've all uh, left me at the altar, so to speak. But uh, I think we covered the Bledisloe well enough. It is worth mentioning the NRC again this week. Obviously, I'm sure okay rugby fans know everything that's going on there. Brisbane City are taking on the Sydney Stars at Ballymore on Thursday evening. That is the TV game, so it's on Fox Sports. So if you're not in Brisbane, watch it on Fox Sports and get behind the tournament. If you're in Brisbane, let's get out there, back to Ballymore. We were there for the grand final on the weekend when Uni got up over Sunnybank with a last-minute kick. So let's get back there to Ballymore on Thursday night for this game. Uh, on Saturday, Canberra Vikings are taking on Perth Spirit uh, down there at Viking Park in Canberra. We heard Owen's tips to some of the players to watch there. New South Wales Country are down at Coogee Oval uh, against the Greater Sydney Rams. So a bit of a local derby, you could call that, albeit New South Wales Country. Melbourne Rising are taking on the North Harbour Rays in Melbourne on Sunday, 2 o'clock, uh, in Queensland Country of the Bay. So it's first round. Let's get behind it. We've got the Bledisloe weekend. It's a fantastic week for rugby. Uh, we know Souths, uh, uh, sorry, Eastwood won the, the the Sydney Shoot Shield, So, but there's plenty of rugby still, uh, still happening, and we should also acknowledge the great work that our Aussie 7 girls team are doing at the uh, the Youth Olympics in Canada. Uh, over there where they, they've just beat Canada in the semi-final, so we'll move on to play the final, I think, tomorrow at lunchtime, um, which is a, was a fantastic achievement for them. Um, sorry, they'll play Canada in the gold medal game, having been in the United States in the semi-final. So awesome. It's all rugby all the time, which is just how we like it. So thanks very much for listening. It's just me and Owen tonight, but uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, right there, right there.